and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. All right, are you ready for the Word? I feel like we're ready for the Word. I feel like God wants to do something so significant. Um, you know, if I can just, just I'm worshipping, but I just, these people have been distracting me for multiple services now. And it's these guys on the back row here, right? Laura Pope's Life Group. The way that you four life girls worship is like so intensely pure that I get the sense, I get the sense God really does want to do something special in you guys in the next 12 months. Jacinta, I can't remember if it was this morning or, um, or tonight, but I saw you just up here in the prayer meeting praying and I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit say, I'm going to do something so significant in her in the next 12 months. And your purity of worship, the four of you actually, because I, I was looking at Jacinta and then the four of you, um, Jazz all the way through the honor, and then I'm like, my gosh, Laura, your life group is on fire. So, but I just feel like God in this season, He's doing something so powerful. Um, now, if you are brand new, welcome to Horizon Church. Just so you know, um, this isn't a talk. Um, if I don't talk, I, I generally um, uh, yell. Um, and apologies for that. I can't help it, okay? Um, it is something that they've tried to coach me out of, and it doesn't work, okay? I get veiny, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it really is a sight. Um, but onwards and upwards we go, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for the word? Yes, all right, we're going to read Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. It says this, um, Therefore, any, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus speaking, by the way, man, and we're going to dive into these three chapters, 5, 6, and 7. Um, Jesus is saying, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Slight change of topic. Um, I just want everyone to raise one of your hands as if you're waving at me. Just, yeah. Okay. Put your hand down. Okay. Put your hand down if you think coriander is from the devil. So the rest of you people are coriander lovers. Coriander is the devil of foods. I'm telling you. No, let me tell you how bad coriander is. You can put your hands down. Now, there were far too many, far too many coriander lovers at Horizon Church, and I will be praying for you in ministry time. In fact, we are having an altar call. Um, coriander is the worst. I'm telling you, like, not, not a little bit bad, but horrible. Hor absolutely horrible. Coriander ruins things. Ruins things. One time, one time, I want to tell you two really quick stories about, you know, um, my persecution with coriander. First of all, everyone knows I'm a height beast and F45 is the home of all height beasts. And uh, it's, yeah, F45 is borderline occult and uh, I love it. And I go there and I'm just thriving on my life. 
When COVID hit, they locked down. So all F45 shut, okay? F45 is um, this really great group fitness gym. Um, and everyone who goes to F45 is very passionate about F45, um, if you didn't know. Anyway, after COVID, we're all so stoked to go back to the gym, okay? And as I'm walking up to Cronulla F45, okay, I'm sniffing. And I'm like 10 metres away, and I'm like, there is coriander somewhere. (laughs) There is coriander somewhere. I walk into F45, and it's meant to be the promised land. We're back from lockdown. We're finally back in Jackson's happy place and all the F45ers' passionate happy place. And, and I'm walking in and the smell of coriander gets even worse. And I'm like, you know what I start to think? I start to judge some people in the room and I'm like, they're sweating coriander. And that's nasty. That is nasty. That is horrible. That is nasty. And I say to the trainer, someone is sweating coriander in this room, Right? And she goes, this is what she says, not one word of a lie, and this was the last day I ever went to F45. (laughs) Joking, I did go back, because I'm under contract. Um, uh, (laughs) She goes, she goes, Jackson, didn't you know Coriander has sanitising properties? I immediately said, no, it does not, because God did not create coriander, and coriander doesn't have sanitising properties. And she goes, so we got new air purifiers that have the coriander pumping through it at F45. And one day, and um, you know, well, maybe you don't know, but... I really hate getting ripped off, like a $4 coffee that's bad, like really like angers me, like, like few other things do. When I get ripped off with a meal that you pay, you know, 10 bucks for and it should be good and it isn't, it really, really gets me. So I go, me and, me and Kreef, bargain meal, um, an Asian chicken roll from across the road. So we walk across the road and both of us get a chicken roll, right, um, from, the, from the bakery. And... And they ask, do you want coriander? I say, absolutely not. Kreef, on the other hand, um, Kreef has issues. And he said, yes, I would like coriander. And I distinctly remember this moment of walking back past uh, through Peace Park. And I'm eating my chicken roll, right? And this is how bad coriander is. This is how bad coriander is, Dr. Paul. Great to see you, Dr. Paul. Um, this is how bad coriander is. I'm eating my chicken roll, and as I'm eating it, the smell and the pungency of Kreef's coriander in his roll is ruining my roll. And down the drain goes $6.50 because of coriander in someone else's roll. Thank you, Pastor Brad. In this verse that we read, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, this, okay, you guys know too much about me and how I work, but we will go full circle, okay? Don't you worry about it. Have no fear. Do not doubt. We are going all the way around, okay? Full circle here, okay? 
Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Last year, in the height of um, our, our second deadly lockdown, um, I am in the depths of, of pain and despair like most people, right? And I say to God, God, I need a word from you. I need a word from heaven. And he takes me, and, and because we had the, the youth and young adults team, we'd worked so hard for many years to build an amazing ministry, and we could see the people that we love literally get destroyed by these lockdowns. So we were in pain. And um, God took me to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, okay? And here's, here's a picture. Jesus has now got crowds very quickly following him. Like he's gaining massive momentum. People are just like, who is this man? We want to follow him. Okay. And crowds are following him. So he climbs a mountain with his disciple. Probably the crowd is with him, but at least the 12 disciples and they're sitting there. And Jesus says, let me tell you some things. Like, let's have a conversation. Let me. And it, this, this one, one sort of like preach or teach or conversation that Jesus had with his disciples has become so famous that it now got the title Sermon on the Mount. And in this passage, we see, and this is what God spoke to me, we see, Jack, uh, we see Jesus lay, like, lay it very plainly, here's the life I want you to live. Here's how kingdom living works. Most areas of your life, here's how it works. If you want a blueprint of how to live a godly life and please Him and attract His favour and, and live in His blessing, it's very clear, Matthew 5 to 7. And it's got this amazing verse in it. It's got this amazing verse. The verse is Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, and it says, You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is it if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it, it being the earth, how can the earth be made salty again? And right then and there, I had a picture of what I felt was going on, particularly in our youth, young adults and young professionals. I felt that, that our youth, young adults and young professionals, after years and years of, we're just loving and building, right? Loving and building this community. And these lockdowns had come, and if I could put into words what had happened is we had lost our saltiness. You know, these lockdowns had dampened our spirit and dampened our passion, and, and, and it's not anyone's fault. It's not, it's not anyone. This is what happens when you go through something like that. And the promise that God gave me was that I'm going to give you your salt back. I'm going to make sure that this world around you will always know that you're there. I'm going to make you the light of the world again. I'm going to put something on the inside of you, do something on the inside of you that the world will not be able to ignore. And not even because of what you do, but because of who you are. And that is the call of every Christian in the room today. Do you know God wants to do something so special in you, in your life, that your very presence would make a difference in our community? That's our calling, salt of the earth, light of the world. And so the passage continues all the way through to chapter 7, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we get to this passage where Jesus says, anyone who hears my words but doesn't, and does put them into practice is like a man who builds his house on a firm foundation and when the storm comes, it remains standing. Anyone who hears them and doesn't put them into practice is like a man who builds his house on sand, and, but when the storm comes, it falls away, right? 
And so here we have a here we have two picture two, two houses in one picture. And they symbolize not a, a believer and an unbeliever. They symbolize two Christians. Both of them look identical on the outside. Both of these houses are identical. Just two ordinary houses, but there's a difference between them. There's a difference. One is built deep down into the firm foundation. And the other one is down just enough into the sand to hold it together to look good enough, but has no real strength of foundation when the storm comes against it. So in this salty life, it's so funny because it's such a contradiction using salty as a good term. Um, Usually you don't want to be a salty person. That's not good. Um, in In this salty journey... And this firm foundation versus the unfirm foundation, excuse me, I, um, I have got a very honest and sort of please don't judge story to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while, but it did feel very good. Okay. So I am, um, I am, I've been a Christian for a number of years now. I've experienced, me and my family have experienced so much healing in this place. Oh my gosh. Praise God for the amount of healing. Praise God for Horizon Church, okay? So much healing. And I have been passionately following God ever since. However, um, when we got married, Alyssa and I, um, the, pressures of, um, the pressures of finances started to kick in a little bit more than they otherwise have in my life. Okay, and, um, and we had done a vision offering, okay, and I had done what I do, which is go to God and get an amount so that I can pledge and, and contribute my part to the vision offering. But the thing was, right, is we were getting married to becoming one. And I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity to not have to give my vision offering anymore <laughs> because it's, I'm no longer myself She's no longer herself. We are a new creation. We are one now. And that would mean for about six months, I wouldn't have to fulfill my pledge, help towards the, the, um, help towards the, the wedding fund. Um, it was a new day, two becoming one. So I had the grand plan and I thought, this is genius. I've outsmarted the Lord. Um, I've outsmarted the Lord. Um, so I went up to Alyssa with my grand plan. Well, wowee, did I get smacked down. <laughs> Praise God for a godly wife who was like, nah, ah, 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 you are not getting away with that. But as she very kindly and in the only way that Alyssa could rebuked me, I had this moment where I was like, this passion of mine, this, this, this desire to serve God with everything at all costs, non-stop. This firm foundation that I had built, I was now trying to get out of. And I'm like, what happened to me? And in that moment, if I can put it into the words of this story, I realised something. I realised that a firm foundation and getting a firm foundation is not a one-time momentary decision. One-time momentary offering isn't a one-time thing where you do it and forever you have a firm foundation and you're set up. No, our firm foundation is a constant drilling down back into 
back into what God says and God's priorities and living God's way. And and He promises the whole way through, I will look after you, I will provide for you, I will give to you, I won't let you lack. It is a constant and continual drilling back down into my God foundation. But I've noticed that there are certain things that they creep in a little bit but it only takes a little bit and give it some time. Like coriander, it'll ruin your whole meal. (laughs) Like coriander, it'll ruin your whole meal. A little bit of this, it grows into a little bit more. It creeps into a little bit more. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God I had a godly wife who stopped my little bit in my tracks and who said, no, Jackson, you're not scheming your way out of something that God said for you to do. Because the love of money and the desire to just fund thyself and go for it thyself and make it happen myself and forget about the things of God and forget about His priorities, it creeps in with the intention of taking over. And I have noticed that there are Actually, a lot of similarities between worshipping God and pursuing money or wealth or worldly success. And in Matthew 6 verse 24, it says this. It says this, smack bang in how to live the God life. It says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I've titled this message, Three Similarities Between God and Money. Number one, both want to be our God. Both want to be our God. And here's here's what I'm learning, and I'm learning this more and more and more the older that I get, right? Is that... um, Jesus never glorifies uh, poverty. He doesn't um, criticise the legitimate getting of wealth. In fact, the Bible says that He's created all things for us to thoroughly enjoy, okay? Um, but He is very, He's not opposed to His children having finance and wealth, but He's very opposed to His children being owned by finance and wealth. He's, he's not opposed to, in fact, He actually gives to those who are faithful stewards of finance and wealth But he is so concerned when instead of us having money, money has us. And if you think about it, God and money can make some very similar promises. Both say that they will establish us. Both says, I'll give you peace. Both say, the more you have of me, the more blessed you will be. But our God is very different. (laughs) Worshipping and serving our God is very different than serving and pursuing just material wealth and possessions. Because only God can actually keep the promise of giving you peace, of keeping us stable, of establishing us and our family. It's only Him. We're only more blessed when we get more of Him. 
and I think, look, I'm no social researcher, but as I look at society, uh, the thought of more money means more blessing is really, really, really not seen in society. In fact, people with money without God can often come to internal and family ruin. And I think it's tragic because money was never made to be worshipped. It was made as a blessing of God to be stewarded for God's purposes. Number two, both want to be worshipped. Both want to be worshipped. The Bible says that you can't serve both God and money. And how many people know that we don't serve Jesus Christ, we don't serve God to get something. We serve because we've got something. We actually serve as an act of worship, of thankfulness to say, God, you have, and and this is so easy for me, you've radically transformed my life. You've done something so amazing in me. You've done so much for me. I'm gonna lay my life down for you because of what you've given me. It's the trust exchange. He gave me freedom and now I'm just offering my whole life back to Him as an act of worship. However, money wants, or the pursuit of money. So as I said, I really wanna underscore, God is not opposed to wealth, okay? Not opposed to wealth. It's the, the soul worshipful pursuit of wealth. And when we worship wealth, that pursuit controls our decisions, our priorities. Our whole life becomes about getting more money no matter the compromise that we have to make. And that, my friends, doesn't lead to life. No. Jesus Christ is the only one worthy to be worshipped. He sets our priorities. Why? Because the priorities for my life and for the life of the person next to me, they're different. And only God knows that. Only God intricately designed me. Only God, money, it's like a general stereotype. We're just looking at Instagram, trying to figure out what is success in this world. Yet when we get heaven's perspective on our lives, when we offer our lives up to God, He says, I know every detail about you. I formed this plan for you. Number three. Number three. Both want our exclusive devotion. Both want our exclusive devotion. I know I'm extreme, but I can't tell you how much I hate coriander. <laughs> like, it, it actually ruins everything for me. Isn't it so sad when you go to a restaurant and everything, like, has coriander in it, and you're just like, oh my gosh. Date night ruined. <laughs> the Bible says, right, you can't serve both God and money. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You know, when we have Jesus Christ in our life, God actually says about himself, he says, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. The similarity between God and money in this regard is both want more of us. Both want more of us. The pursuit of money, it it creeps into every area of our lives. And this pursuit at times, it breaks down families. It, 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 children lose their parents because of this pursuit. And it, 
borderline as a youth pastor, I've got to say it's pretty demonic. <laughs> Breakdowns in families. People losing all of their values. All for this one pursuit. It, it's, 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 it's almost, it's the, the pursuit of money as, as a God is almost cancerous. It just spreads and spreads and spreads. But God is also after more and more and more of us. The Bible says He's actually a jealous God. And if I could put it in my own words, He's never satisfied. He's always our Heavenly Father that goes, I want more of you. Yeah, you gave that much. I want more of you. He created us before the beginning of time. And so now in this life, He's saying, and give me more of you. I want more of you. I want more of you. But, but the difference is, it's never to take something from you. It's actually so that He can bless more of you. In every area of our lives, He's not there. He doesn't ask for it so that He can take. Never. He actually asks for it so He can bless it, so that we can steward it better. He's not here to rip us off, but to bless and to establish and use us. So as I'm considering, okay, as I'm considering my own life and my own faults and my own humanity and this natural drift back to what everyone else in society does, which is money is everything. Get it at all costs. Do it. Compromise. Fight. If you want to be top tier in society, get some dollars behind you, okay? Right? As I, as I navigate this natural drift of mine, okay, I'm walking Cronulla Breach. Cronulla Breach. Cronulla Beach. Now, I grew up in Cornell. Do you guys know where Cornell is? If you don't, it's in the Shire. And it's next to Cronulla. Um, anyway, I'm walking Cronulla, and this has happened for the, about the past five years. And as I, when I grew up, um, when I grew up and I was subjected to the torture of nippers, I have memories, right? I have memories of um, like a really long, deep, wide Cronulla Beach. There was so much sand going into the water, you know what I mean? And we used to have like full on like nipper carnivals. Oh my gosh, absolute torture. Um, and uh, I'd come last in every race. It was so horrible. Oh. And there was so much beach to do these big carnivals on. But as you look at Cronulla now, this is what you'll see. The beach is like fully washed away. Now, I'm also old enough to remember, okay, simultaneous to this, right? I'm also old enough to remember um, my dad, uh, he built me a, a cubby house or like tree house on stilts. It was out of this world revolutionary. It had a ladder up and a slide down, out of control. Um, it came off the stilts when my um, sister, not Fallon, but the other one fell off and broke her arm really badly. <laughs> um, and my parents told her, your arm's not broken. Um, anyway. She's underneath the, the, the treehouse was a sand pit. And I remember driving along the Cornell Road to Cornell, and whereas now you see like uh, estates of houses, 
there used to be towering sand dunes, like towering. And we would pull over and we would drive into the sand dunes and my dad would be like, don't tell anyone. Um, And we're stealing sand from the sand dunes. And that was illegal, okay? All right? And that's where we used to get, all of the Shire used to get their sand from. Anyway, long story short is whatever happened, happened, but all of the sand dunes have now been taken away and they were sold to concrete makers. And when I look at this photo, and this is a very like unscientific Cronulla theory, but go with me because God used this, is there were always storms. There were always storms. But my theory is the reason why this never used to happen was because there were sand dunes right at the edge of that photo. There were sand dunes. And after a storm came, the sand would wash and blow down back onto the beach and replenish the beach. And so you had this cycle of sand coming and sand going. Okay? But now we've taken away the sand dunes. This is what our beach looks like for like 90% of the year now. So angry. Cronulla local. Far out. The Shire. Right? And here's what God said to me. Storms are so natural in our lives. Storms are so natural. And do you know what? Life generally erodes faith. Like that's what happens. Faith isn't just going to grow on its own. Like the circumstances of life will generally erode faith. But God has a method of replenishing the faith of His people. God has a method of reorienting His people away from material possessions and the chase and the never-ending treadmill of trying to get more and more and more. And He has a strategy to reorient and replenish the faith of His people. And the picture that I get of this offering is that this offering is like a big sand dune ready to replenish our faith back to I am God first, I am God only and I am God with anything. Nothing's going to distract me, nothing's going to stop me. I am a God person through and through. See, sometimes we think of an offering as God needs our money. That could not be further from the truth. This is more about you and I than we realise. I'm trying to scheme my way out of doing this thing. Whereas God is saying, this is the very thing I've anointed to replenish the God qualities on the inside of you. Ben, you can come and join me. For every person in the room, this is my challenge to you today. Is it don't see this just about the building, just about the church. And it totally is, okay? It totally is. But there is much more to the story than that. God is much more multifaceted than a one-lane approach. God is in the midst of replenishing the faith of His people. And I see a generation rising up that is so free, free from the treadmill pursuit, free from just doing what everyone in society is doing, free from just doing what our parents or whatever whatever other influence is doing. So free that when God says go, we go. When God says give, we don't give it a second thought. When God says share, we share with confidence. This is what God is doing. He is replenishing the faith of His people. And almost like a gentle rebuke from my wife, God is using this offering to reorient us and stop that that societal chase, that never-ending chase of getting a hold of. Would you stand to your feet for a second? Is this all right? Was this helpful tonight? If we go back to the the verse, okay? If we go back to the verse, 
where it's, um, it's the two houses. Okay, and, and I really, this is where we wanna land tonight. Okay? Two houses that look exactly the same. Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. The only way this world is gonna get salty is if the people of God rise up, okay? Two houses though. And I wanna ask the question, what does it mean to be salty? Can I tell you that over time, the shiny, the impressive, the talented, the flattering have really decreased in value for me. I've been, I put my trust in a, a fair few many, too many preachers who've let me down, too many idols and too many cool people. And now when people are talented and shiny and, and awesome, I'm like, nah, you know what I mean? The outside of a house, I'm like, whatever. You know what, where I've got my big impartations of faith from people from? It's from not the people who have the best and biggest, shiniest house. It's the people who've stood through the most storms. And this is what God is giving you. God is giving us a choice. Are we gonna be focused on getting more to look better on the outside? Or is, are we gonna be people who are committed to, I don't care about what I look like on the outside, that's up to God. My job is just keep drilling down into the foundation. I'm not going to pursue anything else other than what God has for me. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? So we're going to sing this over you tonight. We're going to sing, let faith rise up. And I believe that God is just going to speak to some people right now when He says, you know, He's like, Horizon Churcher, I'm in this with you. This is about more than just an offering. This is about we're reorienting, we're replenishing faith today. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.